Hey there, I get to preach to you from my living room. How cool is that? We're doing the social distancing thing. And last week, if you were with us, we, uh, we looked at the story of Moses and the people of Israel working through their fear of crossing the Red Sea when the Egyptians were coming after them to take them back into slavery. And we were able to look at the story and, and see that Moses had this three-point plan that kind of went like this, fear not, stand firm, and expect God's help. Fear not, stand firm, and expect God's help. If you missed that message, you can listen to it or watch it by going to our webpage or our Facebook page. And uh, then I, I was kind of thinking, okay, what do I do this week? It's a third message in the midst of this COVID-19 crisis. And most of us have been working at home, kind of feeling in captivity in our homes. And as I record this message, our, our municipal council is about to consider an even tougher shelter in place motion that will increase our feelings of captivity. And when you hear this message, we should know whether council has enacted that order or not. And then that got me thinking about the history of Old Testament Israel. When many in Israel were <clears throat> taken into captivity by King Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonian Empire. Let me give you a, a little bit of context by reading the opening words of the Old Testament book of Daniel. During the third reign of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of, of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and he placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. Many of you raised in church know the names Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hey, I grew up singing a song in Sunday school, dare to be a Daniel. But hey, if you don't have any of that background, no worries. But for those of you who do, you've got a bit of an emotional connection to the story of Daniel. And there are three things in this story and taught throughout the Bible that I think we need to remember and hang on to as anchors as we kind of navigate the tumultuous waters of COVID-19 and the collapse of oil prices. Number one, remember that this will pass. Number two, remember that God is with you. And thirdly, remember that God wants to use you. Let's start with the first thing we need to remember that this will pass. So we here in Fort McMurray, we've been in captivity for about two weeks. As I listen to people like Donna Dina Hinshaw, the Chief Medical Officer of Health for, for Alberta, and Scott Davis, the Director of Emergency Management for Wood Buffalo, they are telling us that our social distance captivity could last four to six months. And if that includes a stay-in-place order, it will truly feel like captivity. Now, the Babylonians, they attacked Israel in three ways. I'm thinking one wave of COVID-19 is more than enough. But the Babylonians, they took captives or slaves each time. So the Babylonian captivity lasted more than 60 years during the mid-500s BC. Last week, we looked at a time when Israel was held captive by Egypt, and that was 400 years. 
So four to six months isn't quite that bad. I mean, it's a matter of perspective. I know, you're not encouraged, right? So as I'm watching all the panic that's still out there, panic buying is still happening. If you don't get to the grocery stores on time, whole sections are still wiped out. I had someone tell me they, that they put in an order at their local grocery store and, and were told it would be ready for pickup on April 6th. That was Thunder Babe, not here, but it's similar here. And, and this got me uh, looking at one of King David's uh, famous Psalms, the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In, in other words, God says, hey, I'll take care of all your needs if you will trust me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then down in verse four, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you. You are with me. Right now, we're going through the valley of the shadow of death. This uh, virus is deadly for some people. We don't know totally. Some say 1%. Some say 2% of everyone who gets it dies. Others just have mild reactions. Now, we know that just like the Babylonian captivity, we already know in advance that this virus will not last it's a valley that we walk through, and we're going to walk through it together. But there will be consequences to work through with this virus. With schools out, likely until September, how do we care for our kids and help parents cope with kids at home, homeschooling? While many parents, you know, they're working at home and some are still at their job sites. How do we do this? How do we balance this? The Fort City staff team has been working on this, wanting to help families by getting a lot of our Christian education stuff online. Also, uh, we've been occasionally putting out encouraging videos on Facebook, live sessions. Lucas has been mostly doing that. And with work slowing down and in many cases shutting right down, how are we going to be able to help each other deal with the inevitable economic consequences from all this disruption? The Apostle Paul, he, he says this to us about how he handled unexpected problems. And our hope for you is firm. Because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Here's the point of that verse. What we know is what gets us through. What we know is what gets us through. What we know gives us hope and gets us through whatever kind of crisis we're in. In the story of Daniel, Daniel interprets a dream that God gave to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king saw this great giant statue made of four metals, from its gold head to its feet mingled of iron and clay. And then as he watched a stone cut not by human hands destroy the statue and become a mountain filling the whole world, Daniel explained to the king that the statue represented four successive kingdoms beginning with Babylon, while the stone and mountain signified a kingdom established by God, which would never be destroyed. Daniel knew that this time in Babylon would pass. He knew that God was completely in control of history. And he, know, and he knew that come the end, God would establish his eternal kingdom. You know what we read about in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, where John tells us that we're going to get a new heaven and a new earth. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things 
It's passed away. He was seated on the throne, said, I am making everything, everything new. That day is coming. Friends, that day is coming. And Daniel talks a lot about that day in the book that bears his name. But even well before that, even before the end times, we know that this time of crisis we're in will pass. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying that we're going to be hugely impacted by it. I mean, it's going to get worse before it gets better. But remember, hang on to this and remember, this will pass. It will. This will pass. And then maybe secondly, a second thought. When you read the book of Daniel, it's got story after story of God turning up powerfully, even miraculously. And if there's nothing else that we take from the book of Daniel, and really the whole Bible from cover to cover says this, it's, it's this, remember, our God is with us. He's always with us. He's never not there. And we see this in a spectacular and unusual way in the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King Nebuchadnezzar, he's now made this huge golden statue of himself. And he ordered when the sound of the horn and flutes and other instruments sounded throughout the city that every person must fall down and worship the image of gold, the image of Nebuchadnezzar himself. And if they didn't, they would be burned to death in a fiery furnace. This is like serious stuff, right? What would you do? Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are not about to worship anyone other than the Lord their God. So they defy the order, and they get caught. Nebuchadnezzar is just so ticked at these boys that he ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual. It was so hot that the fire killed the soldiers as they threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who they had all tied up neatly as they threw them in the fiery furnace. I mean, that's hot. That's real hot. I mean, spontaneous combustion. Boom, they're gone. And then what happens? Let's read what the king sees and says, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Who is the fourth guy? It's Jesus. Theologians call this the pre-incarnate Jesus. Jesus, before he was born on earth. On earth. All, all you need to know is this is God. This is Jesus in the furnace with the three young men. And they're all doing just fine. And yeah, you know, Jesus, he's always with us in the fire. And hey, this is a big miracle, right? Now, I'm not saying that God always delivers people from fires or from COVID-19. He can. He does. We can pray for that. But, but let's be honest. Most people get thrown into a fiery furnace. They die, right? But God is still there. God is with them. God is empowering them. We read about some amazing men and women of God as the church was born in the book of Acts. One of them is a man, a leader, a deacon named Stephen. The Apostle Luke describes Stephen as a man full of God's grace and power who performed great wonders and signs among the people. But opposition grew to Stephen's ministry, his work from Jewish leaders who opposed the Christian faith. Stephen was seized and brought to trial before a Jewish council and he was charged with blasphemy. In the course of this really illegal trial, Stephen shared his faith in Jesus. He did it with boldness. He didn't hold back. Let me read what happened. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. 
But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and they began to stone him. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Did God deliver Stephen like he did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? No. Stephen got pummeled by rocks and he died a gruesome, bloody death. But clearly, Jesus was with him. Clearly, he had faith and confidence that Jesus was there with him. It gave him strength and courage to stand up for what was right and true, to stand up for his faith. And hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they understood that there were no guarantees here as they prayed. You know, they understood that anything could happen when they got thrown into the fiery furnace. Take a look. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, King Nebuchadnezzar, we, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and, and he'll deliver us from your majesty's hands. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that, sorry, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Like Stephen, man, they could only worship the Lord their God. They wouldn't compromise their faith. They would only do what is right. And in their case, they were delivered. In Stephen's case, he was delivered as well, but into the presence of Jesus. God, he says this to us through the prophet Isaiah, words that at their most basic just simply remind us that God is with us in our trials and difficulties. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Hey, it really is okay to pray that God will deliver you. It's okay to pray that God will heal you. It's okay to provide, pray that God will provide for you. Friends, our God, he's able. It's okay to ask our prayer team to pray with you. Because so often, he turns up and he does them miraculously. Not always, but often. And even, even when we don't get the answers we're looking for, God is still there and he is at work in our lives, often in other miraculous ways. He gives us peace. He calms our soul. He gives us perspective. He speaks into our hearts. You, you got to remember that whatever you go through, God will go through it with you. Every stage, every phase, every crisis, no matter what you're going through, God is going to go through it with you. You will never really ever be alone. God, he's with you. It doesn't matter how you feel all the time, but, but God is with you right now. In fact, God has never been closer to you than he is right now, and he'll never be further away than he is right now. I mean, that's really where you need to focus right now. Maybe, just maybe, you know, a little less listening to social media and a little more listening to God in the days ahead. This will give you confidence. This will give you stability. This will replace your panic with prayer. It, it will replace your worry with worship. It, it will replace your anxiety with adoration. And let me, at this point, just give you one more word from the Apostle Paul. He says, we often suffer, but we're never completely crushed. And even when we don't know what to do, we never give up. 
in times of trouble, get this, God is with us. And when we're knocked down, we get up again. We remember this will pass. We remember that God is with us. And because we remember, we never, never give up. Even when we're knocked down, we get up again. And because God is with us, he empowers us to get up again. We will get up again. Okay, one more remember. Number three. Remember that God wants to use me to help others. The Old Testament book of Daniel, it's divided into two main sections. The first six chapters are all about Daniel's story. They span from his being taken into captivity by the Babylonians to when he was thrown into a den of lions and he actually lived to tell the story. God delivered him, another miracle, praise God. God's into miracles. But chapters 7 through 12 are a series of dreams and visions that Daniel had that paint a picture of our God who is in total control of history. I mean, he's there even in the fearful events of history, like now. Daniel saw God as involved at all times. And in the middle of his vision, he stops and he prays for his nation. He prays for their deliverance. And that's, you know, a good thing to do. We need to be praying for our country. We need to be praying for our country's deliverance. And Daniel... He's in captivity when he writes this incredible book where he tells his own story in the first six chapters and then gives this incredible prophetic picture in chapter 7 to 12 of our God who's in control when things go absolutely crazy. Daniel writes this book and God takes that book and puts it in our Bibles today. God used Daniel during his captivity in a way that impacts your life and my life today. So you and me. In our COVID-19 Fort McMurray captivity, like Daniel, we need to remember God. He wants to use me to help others. He wants to use all of us to help others. You know, God doesn't want to just take you through this crisis. God doesn't want to just protect you in this crisis. God wants to use you through this crisis. Those of us who follow Jesus, we see this crisis as an open door. Every need in our world is an open door every pain, every hurt, you know, every habit, every hang-up. It's an open door to find that need and to fill it, to find that hurt and to heal it. We are being given right now the biggest open door you can imagine because people are frightened. They're scared. Historically, Christians have always moved into pain when everybody else moved out. Uh, Let me go back to something I shared last week. Thousands of years ago, the Black Plague, the Bubonic Plague, ran through the Roman Empire, and nobody really knew the cause of it. They certainly didn't know about viruses. They didn't know about bacteria. They they didn't know about infections. They didn't have any of the scientific tools that we have today. And millions and millions and millions of people were dying in the cities. Again, it's called the Black Plague, and all of the people began to flee the cities, thinking maybe the cities were causing the plague. What did the Christians do? They actually moved back into the cities to take care of the sick. And that's how the Roman Empire became a Christian empire. They said, see how they love one another. And it created a mass movement of people coming to Jesus. And it's in that environment that we, the church, invented the hospital. I mean, did you know, the hospital wasn't invented by government, it was invented by the church. 
because Jesus gave us a preaching and teaching and healing faith. He cares about the mind, the body, and the soul. And just as Christians move into the worst of the bubonic plague that was just annihilating the Roman Empire, you know, with none of the advantages that we have today and none of the scientific knowledge that we have today, they risk their lives for the sake of others, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of love. God, God will call us not to be foolish, not to be rash, but to respond in love and to care for people and to care for the most vulnerable. Jesus puts it this way, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. We need to care for each other and we need to care for the people of our city. You as a follower of Jesus, as a member of the body of Christ, you need to rise up and be the arms and legs of Jesus. Hey, last night, Matt, Steph, and Dulcie and their uh, YWAM DTS team sent out Meals on Wheels to various families at risk uh, in our city. Like 10 families, 35 meals. I mean, how cool is that? They were just being the hands and legs of Jesus. And, and as they were doing that, Nelson Sawatsky was delivering pizza to the millennial, to the Minnelli home. The Sawatsky family were being the arms and legs of Jesus to the Minnellis. I mean, that's awesome. And over 60 of you, you signed up to be sponsors to families and individuals in need. And that's happening right now. Grocery and household items are being shopped for. Meals are being prepared and delivered. A variety of needs are being met. If you want to be a part of that team, email connect at fortcitychurch.ca. Or if you have a need, you are self-isolating or you've been quarantined or, or if you get sick, let us know. And let us know how we can help. If you have a need, email connect at fortcitychurch.ca or message us on Facebook or Instagram. Just get in contact with us. Because right now, we are connecting church people to needs both in the church and around the city. We are being the arms and legs of Jesus in this crisis. Friends, we have an open door of opportunity. Jesus is calling us to walk through that door with him. And if you need someone to talk to, maybe you're experiencing a little anxiety, a little stress, a little relational stuff. Kara Stapleton, a board member here at Fort City, is a professional therapist, and she's willing to connect with you and support you over the phone. He's willing to come up to fortcitychurch.ca, and she will set up a phone appointment with you. The pastoral team is also available to connect with you, and you can message us at connect at fortcitychurch.ca. And remember, we have a prayer team. They believe in the power of prayer, and they are here for you. You, you can send prayer requests. You're going to get familiar with this. Connect at fortcitychurch.ca, and maybe you need someone to call you back and pray with you. We can do that. Just ask. We have online small groups now that you can join. Stay connected with people throughout the week. And how to connect with an online group, that'll be on the screen. We have a Kid City Facebook page and web page. If you have kids, connect there. Over time, we're working on getting more of our kids as well as our youth connected online with leaders and each other. All of this is not instant. We're working on it. We're still rolling it out, right? You know. Lucas has put it this way, that we're actually planting a new church, an online church, and that's quite the undertaking. But friends, it's happening. 
Dr. Dina Hinshaw, the Chief Medical Officer of Health for Alberta, came up with a brilliant idea this past week. Now, this idea will only work if our Municipal Council has not already enacted a stay-in-place order, and if they have, it will only be for who knows how long, but... And at the same time, just to let you know, I've been in conversation with our mayor and council about this and the role of churches in the city. And by the time you hear this, I will have spoken at an emergency municipal council meeting. But Dr. Henshaw, believing that social distancing rules are going to be in place for a good long time, suggested the idea of family cohorts. That two families would choose to connect to get together, but not with anyone else, just the two families, allow their kids to play together. The two families might do meals together, board games together, on and on and on. That two families would choose to do life together during the crisis. What an opportunity for families within Fort City or a Fort City family with someone on your street. You can choose another family to self-isolate with as, as long as you do not share connection with other families or workplaces. It's, it's brilliant. My daughter, who's a pediatric emergency room doctor in Hamilton, says this is standard emergency protocol that is needed for the mental health of, of families in such stressful days. So that's a huge way that you can be the hands and feet of Jesus during this crisis with just one other family. And if, you're, if we're in lockdown, oh well, but the lockdown will not be forever. And while we're talking ER doctors, my brother is an ER doctor in downtown Montreal, and I connected with him to see how he's doing, and, and I want to share with you what he said to me. My brother Ken said, the emergency department is a little less busy from, quote, regular patients. But work is the most stressful I have ever felt, and he's been doing this for decades. When one of those, quote, regular trauma, transplant, cancer, end-stage liver, immunodeficiency patients shows up, you just never know. If they're going to be asymptomatic carrier, will they infect you or one of your colleagues? The general population, he's talking about you and me, have no concept of our fear, the limited resources, the cognitive overload that we're experiencing. Friends, we have to care for, pray for, seek to understand our frontline workers, our healthcare workers, first responders. They are heroes. And they are risking their lives for you and me. If you know one, make sure you encourage them. Be Jesus to them. Lucas has been working at connecting with 25 or so healthcare workers and first responders in our church family to cheer them on. This is so important. We're working on it. We're still rolling this out as well. But in the end, we just need you to rise up and be Jesus. We need you to remember that God wants to use you to help others. So three things to remember. Remember that this will pass. Remember that God is with you. And remember that God wants to use you right now to help others. Friends, we'll not just get through this. We will thrive through this. We will see God move and work in power through you and me through this. Lives will be changed for the better forever. And particularly because you rose up and chose to trust God and allow God to use you to make a difference in other people's lives. This could be our greatest day. So you up to it. I know you are. Would you bow with me and pray and ask the God who was with us to help and empower us? Father God, 
Thank you, thank you that we can look at men and women of faith in the past who have gone through these tough times and been powerfully used of you to change the world and change our lives for the better. God, we're just asking that you'd help us to do the same in the midst of this crisis that we're in. Father, I just pray for every person who is watching this video, wherever they happen to be, or audio, or that you would give them a spirit of calmness, give them peace that passes understanding, peace that is so unusual, so powerful, that we know it's from you, that you are with us. May we in this dark world shine out with peace, joy, confidence, faith, and love to the world that's around us. May our lives just shine in this darkness. Empower us, God. Show us who to serve. Speak to us about who is in pain. Point us to those who are racked with anxiety. Use us in this challenging time to be people who bring you glory and lead people to faith in your Son. We pray for those in our city who are infected with COVID-19. You, you are the great healer. We pray for mild symptoms and quick recovery. For, Lord, for those, Lord, who have it, but they don't know that they have it, I pray that it'll be discovered quickly and they get the treatment they need. We, we pray for their healing as well. And use us, God, as a church to make a loving difference. Use us to be the hands and feet of Jesus to our city. And maybe there's someone listening now who's never made a decision to become a follower of Jesus or you need to reconnect with Jesus. You don't want to go through this crisis without Jesus being with you. So would you take these next set of words that I'm going to pray and just kind of pray them for yourself and pray them with me, but pray them personally. Just pray this to Jesus. Just say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Just, just say that to him right now. I ask you to come into my life. Change and empower me to live and love well. Forgive me for the things that I've done that have caused me to live apart from you. I want to know you, love you, be used by you. So today I commit, or I recommit my life to you. Please help me. In Jesus' name, amen.